Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Meet the Expats. Today I am with Julie, a young American woman who, after finding love in Sevilla during her Erasmus, made the long-distance relationship work and came back to settle in Sevilla with the partner. Hello, Julie. How are you? Hi, Pauline. I'm great. How are you? I'm very well. It's a sunny day. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> it's great because we haven't had that much, uh, that many podcasts about Europe and haven't done Spain yet. Sevilla is a beautiful city. I, I haven't been, but I love the re region. So I'm excited to hear a bit more about it. Wonderful. So you are from the New York suburbs and you moved to Sevilla for your Erasmus. Can you tell us a little bit more about this move, this experience? Yes, absolutely. So my second to last year in college, in the spring, I was in Sevilla for a semester. So I came here at the beginning of January through May. And it's a very special time in Spain. There are a lot of festivals in the spring. So it was, it was really a magical and memorable time. Nice. Yeah, it's a lot about, there's a lot of religious festivals, especially down in Andalusia. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And also the Feria, which is, yes. it's pretty, it's pretty much like going back in time and everyone dresses <laughs> in, in flamenco dresses and oh, wow. it's really a fun week. It's a whole week and it's pretty once in a lifetime, especially <laughs> as an abroad student. <laughs> so in terms of culture and the moving how did that work for you did you know Spanish when you moved or yes so I have always studied Spanish um, I think I started in middle school and right. through college I continued um, I was a Spanish minor so I really wanted to to make sure I moved somewhere and spent some time there to really get a solid background right. in Spanish yeah and um, I did, so that was that was great. I think <laughs> it was it was definitely a little tricky to move to move here, even with Spanish. Um, I was in, in a homestay, so right. it was you know pretty intense. Luckily, yeah, you have to speak straight away. There's no exactly. So to communicate with my home mother, it was it was all in Spanish. I was with two other girls from my program, so that was really good. Um, one of them didn't have as strong of Spanish, so I think she probably appreciated that that we were there because yeah. <laughs> otherwise it's all Spanish all the time, and it's it's probably hard if you don't have the level. Um, yeah, and it's tiring when you're not in your own language and you're struggling. It's your brain just tires so quickly. Absolutely. So it was it was good at least to have the other Americans there, and that was that was a really good support network. And I know some people did come without too much of a background in Spanish, and they figured it out. I think they probably had a lot of laughs with their homestay. <laughs> <laughs> there was probably some confusion, but in the end, I think it all works out regardless. <laughs> nice. And, yeah, in terms of the people and just life there, what did you enjoy and 
So being abroad, I really enjoyed having time to just to do everything in Sevilla and mm. kind of seep in and get to their pace of I'm, I'll sit and enjoy a coffee, relax. I, it won't be to go. I can, I have all the time in the world. You know, I have a class in the morning and then I have a break. So that was great to really get the chance to absorb the culture and kind of just walk around and enjoy all the beautiful streets. And I, to me, Sevilla is a place where people really enjoy life and being able to do that as a student where I didn't have a ton of stress, I could really go and enjoy and, and, you know, there's a lot of festivals, there's a lot of going out. So that was, that was wonderful as a student. Yeah, I think there is that piece in Erasmus where you go abroad and obviously you're not really going for the studies. I, yes. I guess I <laughs> studied that much during Erasmus, but it was just the whole experience. Absolutely. Country and spending six months there and loads of new foreign people. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, it is. And I think I, I was lucky in that I had that side of, of companionship with the Americans and having fun and really enjoying and being open to the culture. Yeah. But I also then I met my boyfriend. So I kind of gained the local perspective as well. So we would go out even as a group because I had met them him through my school. Right. So he his friends were all kind of we had like an intercambio system. So all of his friends would get together with all of my friends and it was really special where, you know, we, it, we're originally it was to speak English and Spanish and some of that did happen, but also kind of just to, to regardless of your culture, we said, okay, we're going to have fun. And I think we, we learned a lot about Sevilla and it was pretty special. Yeah, that is nice. It's yeah, really getting to meet the locals and they would take you out to the local places and Exactly. So so we wouldn't just be at the American bar. <laughs> Maybe one day during the week that would happen, but we would also get a little bit of the real, you know, local flavor, which was great. Yeah. You need a little bit of your comfort from home also sometimes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so after your Erasmus, you moved back to the US? Yes. So since this was my second to last year in school, I moved home and uh, in May. I was working that summer. Then I was back in school and I was in school for a whole nother year. And my boyfriend and I decided we, we were really serious and we said, we're going to try to do this long distance and wow. we continue dating. So that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, so in, in total, how you said it was about four or five years of long distance? Mm -hmm. So it was five years long distance, wow. which that now that I say it, it sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, especially that it's not just like European long distance. Where, yeah. Okay, it's a one hour flight. You're on the same time zone. Yeah. Yes. The time zones definitely made it hard. Uh, we definitely tried to, you know, carve out time if, because at that point, I, you know, after my last year in college, I, w I went home for a while in the suburbs of New York, and then I started commuting into the city. So he would try to time his lunch break or, or something so that it was around when I was on the train. So at least we could kind of text on the way and catch up about our day. 
And then maybe he was done with work because it's around a six hour difference or five because then he actually moved to England. Um, So during my lunch break, he would just be leaving work. So maybe we'd try to catch up, but it's tricky. (laughs) Tricky needs organization. Definitely. Do you have any tips around how to make a long distance work that well? Definitely. I'd say the most important thing is trust. Yeah. Because if there if there's no trust, even it's if you're yeah, exactly, even if you're half an hour away, how can you be long distance? Yeah. You know, so especially being so far, and you know, he'd say, "Oh, I'm going out with friends," and I couldn't say, "Oh, well, who is it?" Yeah. Or I, I mean, I could, but if if it was so stressful, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. So I think we always, we were, you know, always in communication and we just stayed honest with each other about our expectations. Yeah, that would be the basic, definitely. Absolutely. And we always were talking. So that was, that was big (laughs) whenever we could. (laughs) Communication flowing. (laughs) Absolutely. So how did you get to say, okay, this is enough of long distance. We have to be together how did all this decision come to you? Of course. So, so we had kind of always been there. Um, we had figured, oh, maybe with his job in England, he could transfer to the U.S. Because at some point, his his business did have uh, a locations in it, pretty close to me on the East Coast, but it didn't work out. So we tried a few different ways to figure it out, and I think the whole time he pretty much was trying to apply for jobs in the US but he found it was hard it was tricky yeah. Do so you know what what made it that tricky versus a role in in Europe I don't I don't know if there's something that makes no, it harder for Europeans to apply in the US or So I think that the the visa process if you have to get sponsored for a visa because he's an aeronautical engineer, and I think it was almost a surprise to everyone, me included, where you you watch a movie and you think like, oh, this person can just kind of go from either the UK or from Europe. We're all kind of have these agreements where, you know, the education is, everyone's well-educated, and there's some kind of a way that if you are fit for a job, it would work out. Yeah. But I think the reality is a lot harder, at least in our experience. Yeah, I, th- I think there was, I, I have a few friends who did relocate from Europe to the US mm-hmm. with their company. I mean, it was an American, it was an American company, so that yes. really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, so the company would uh, sponsor them, sponsor the visa. But there was this thing around the company has to justify that they couldn't find that a similar talent in the US. Exactly. And it is, so Mm -hmm. if the company maybe isn't American, it's harder to justify perhaps. I, yes, I think that's the case. I think that if you are already working for a company and they say, oh, we have a position in California or we have a position in Boston and you would be a good fit. I think that there's probably a way to get in, yeah. at least better than just applying, you know, oh, yeah. on, on LinkedIn. 
from scratch. Um, but it's still, I think it's definitely a lot harder than we'd ever imagined. So yeah. I think we'd gone on for a while thinking, oh, maybe it'll work out this time or maybe something, some other way we'll, we'll be able to get him to the U.S. just because he had already finished his studies earlier than I had. Mm-hmm. And we kind of had thought that would have been a better plan. But it, it was hard, the reality of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can imagine the stress and the hopes falling apart every time it doesn't work. But... Definitely. I think that we, we tried to you know, see each other as often as we could, but we always had the goal of staying, being together in real life yeah. and you know, having a life together and living together. So I think a few years down the line, we had just been talking on Skype one day, which is what we often did yeah. <laughs> every weekend. <laughs> Long distance relationship goes through Skype. <laughs> exactly. We had our Sunday Skype date and I said, well, why don't I just, you know, come to Spain? Well, maybe we should rethink how we're doing this. And I had almost said it as a joke. And then we kind of started looking into it and tried to figure out what we actually could do. And he at the time was in England and I was in the US and we both figured out a way for me to get back so we could be together in Spain. Oh, nice. So yeah, it's all about yeah, looking at it in a different perspective. Maybe we haven't explored all the, the options mm-hmm. and we're just focused on one, one way. Then. Absolutely. And I mean, we both enjoyed our time starting our careers and and working on that separately but at some point we said we want to really be together and and we figured it out so that was exciting and so why Spain and not the UK if he was working in the U- in the UK I think that we I mean he really enjoyed living in the UK and he had a great job he had a lot of friends there so on one end it was hard for him to to come back to Spain yeah. I think that we hadn't really figured out how I could get sponsored there for a visa. I think that it would just seemed a little bit out of our control. And the and I think at that point, maybe he was missing Spain more than he'd realized. Right. So we said, you know, we, we had looked into a few different ways. So originally, because his parents have a business uh, with touristic apartments. Okay. I had been working in sales. So... The idea was that I would come and work in marketing with them. Right. And the process for the visa seemed a lot longer than what we actually ended up doing, which is called Pareja de Hecho, which what is, is it's essentially um, a civil union. So okay. that was only an option in Spain. So I think at the end of the day, once we figured out how much quicker that would be, just a few months and we could actually be together and less, you know, paperwork and stress of what if the visa doesn't turn out, you know, if they don't sponsor me or something. So we just needed paperwork. I mean, just, it ended up being a decent amount. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe more than we realized. Um, but now, now when I look back, it seems like it's, it was painless, but I think it was pretty stressful. Um, <laughs> Well, we had a few trips and we just needed proof that we'd been in a relationship and, you know, a few different papers, maybe, I can't even remember what they are, but I'm, I'm looking forward to doing a blog post on this because I remember being in the U.S. a little bit stressed about it, thinking, oh, what if I miss a paper yeah. and, you know, booking appointments in Madrid and then being a little stressed about it. 
Um, but we ultimately we had a few appointments and within, I think, six months of planning, I was already in the in um, Spain. In Spain. Yeah, it does take a little bit of planning when you have the paper, uh, the paperwork and the visa, the visa side. I, I tend to forget it being European and having moved around Europe where yes, not much apart from, okay, signing in, well, just registering mm-hmm. within the country itself. There's no no big issue around visas, and mm-hmm. I tend to forget it. <laughs> I mean, I tend to get used to this easy way of Europe. Uh, yes, Europe I, I, I like the way the way things work when they when it's easier. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but so, yeah, six months planning is is a good deal, but still for. Mm-hmm. I guess it's maybe not that much or yes it I think it was maybe a little tricky because we both were out of Spain and mm-hmm. some things had to be done in Madrid as opposed to Sevilla which was closer to home for him yeah. um so we were trying to plan appointments in advance that's one thing that I think was hard because we ended up doing it with a lawyer because it was not super expensive. Someone had recommended that we do that just so he kind of helped us say, these are the papers you need. This is the appointment you need because there always seemed to be a surprise of, okay, I'm at my appointment at the embassy. Everything's good. And then they say, oh, and you need this also with another seal across town. And, And that place only operates with appointments in advance. Yeah. And I remember the look on my face. Uh oh, I have to go where in the next hour before I train to Seville. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine the the stress. It definitely helps when you have someone else to just help you navigate, tell you what to do, when to do it. And- definitely, I think it's doable. It could have been doable without a lawyer, but I think it helped with our situation just being outside of Spain for yeah, both of us. You don't realize when you're outside how complicated it is just to mm-hmm. get your appointments, make sure you're going to get an appointment within those four days where you're in the country just for those admin. Exactly. And then there'd maybe we'd be waiting on one thing, hoping it would get there in time. So ultimately it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so you made it to Sevilla with your partner. And uh, started working, so in, yeah, you started working in uh, his family's company then. Mm -hmm. Yes, so in marketing, and it was kind of a change I'd like, I had been planning on making, so I was excited about that, and little by little, I was learning more Spanish, because in those five years, I think I lost more than I figured I would have lost. Yeah, yeah, true. You weren't uh, really able to practice at that time then. With, with your partner, would you actually speak uh, Spanish or English? So when we met, we spoke almost entirely Spanish, especially yeah. as a student here. I was, you know, it, everything was in Spanish at home with my homestay and then in class. So it definitely, it definitely helped because he has strong English skills. So mm-hmm. if I was actually confused about something, he could explain it to me. Yeah. And, you know, he would maybe correct me, but in a way that was kind. So <laughs> that, was, that was good. Um, and I definitely got better as the semester went on. But as we were both long distance and always on Skype, 
I think that we, we ended up speaking probably more English than Spanish and maybe on text or on WhatsApp, we would yeah. still speak a decent amount or text a decent amount of Spanish to at least keep the, the Spanish <laughs> language there. Cool. So tell us a little bit about your, your new life in Sevilla, how just settling in went and just re-embracing the whole culture that you had left for five years. Absolutely. So there weren't too many surprises just because I had visited so often and, and during you know family holidays or during times when I wouldn't have experienced Seville during the winter because I had come, I'd come in January. So I saw part of the winter and spring, but maybe there were some things I would have missed from only being abroad for, for such a, a short amount of time. But I, I realized, you know, how much in the culture, they value family and just a lot of things that at the end of the day in the U.S., things might be different to some extent, but there are a lot of commonalities with the culture. And moving here, I knew about some, then I experienced maybe some new ones, but the majority of things were not too surprising, which was good. Okay. <laughs> so what did you experience that was maybe the same and that was different from the US? So living in New York City, um, people go out a lot. So there's definitely the same level of hey, let's grab a drink. It's Friday afternoon. Oh. And there's definitely a big social life, which is, it's great. And people really like to go out and enjoy the nice weather. People sit outside and eat. And that is similar. It's not a place where people are all at home at 10 p.m. and it's quiet. Yeah, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe right now with coronavirus, but... Well, yeah. Changes a little bit. Under typical, <laughs> under typical circumstances, yeah. um, and people are, are definitely very welcoming. I, I think that all of the family and friends here, they always made an effort and and commented on my Spanish and how I was improving. And there are a lot of family holidays also, and, and time spent with friends and family. That's something that's very similar to in the U.S. At least in my experience, <laughs> and maybe some surprises. Yeah. Um, I'd say that people are probably more direct. So there's less of the, hi, how are you? There's some of it, but I think people are a little bit more authentic in their interactions here where yeah. there's less, you know, fluff. <laughs> yeah, I think that's typical European. Mm -hmm. uh, Which might be surprising. And I maybe I'd even forgotten from my time abroad, but people are more direct and I think I've actually become more direct while being here. So maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely something that we see across Europe. So some European countries will be more than others, but mm -hmm. yeah, this thing of, I mean, people are kind, there are manners, but there's definitely, even if people aren't rushing around, like in New York, they're still, they're still, a little bit more transparent, which is kind of nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think if there's something you don't like, they're just gonna say it. And absolutely, it, it won't be necessarily said in a rude way, and it's generally just a. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think in the end, it's something that I've gotten used to, and that it doesn't bug me. 
but maybe it might surprise someone like, oh, wow, how did they, how did they say that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. And yeah, I definitely resonate with what you were saying about uh, earlier on about sitting down and having a coffee. I actually read that blog post that you, you posted on. The, oh, on great. The <laughs> yeah, it is something that's, it's just going in France. And I've seen in Ireland, for example, yeah, people tend to take a coffee to go and things like mm-hmm. that. Not that many places do coffees to go. Spain, I know, is the same. Italy is the same where you'd actually just sit down mm-hmm. and at the bar within a cafe to have your coffee and then and then run out. But it is an opportunity to talk with people and sit down and just watch the city. Mm-hmm. The city live. Yes, I think it's it's something that's definitely special and stood out to me, especially as a student, when I had all the time in the world to to sit with a coffee. So I said, why not? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Are there any new habits that you would have embraced in Spain? Yeah. Hmm. I think people tend to to walk a lot of places, at least in Sevilla. So. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of do that. I explore and, and that's been something that I've enjoyed and I definitely take pictures and I kind of seep it all in maybe because it's new to me, but (laughs) that's, I think one thing that, you know, people don't always use the car. So that's something I've embraced. (laughs) Yeah. Is Sevilla a big city or rather small? Of course. Um, It's, like I think the fourth largest city in Spain, so it's okay. it's pretty big, but somehow with the cobblestones and the historic yeah. center, it it's almost like going back in time. And yeah. you probably wouldn't want to have a car, to be honest, in the old center. <laughs> yeah, narrow streets, cobblestones. You don't want a car there. <laughs> yes, little curves and some some spots are especially tricky. If you yeah. stay a little bit further out and not with those cobblestones, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. But I think in those streets, it's almost magical. Like, I remember being abroad and literally getting lost, where I'd be walking around, and, and my boyfriend would say, okay, how do we get home? <laughs> and I would have no idea, because there's so many little streets that if I miss my landmark, and I wouldn't even really know where they connect, because there are just so many, and they don't, it's not a, a grid <laughs> in any way. <laughs> Yeah, I know the feeling. I, I'm not very good about getting my way around <laughs> if I don't have a way. Me neither. So that now, now I have more landmarks. So yeah, so I I get around pretty well. <laughs> but. <laughs> and so you were very very lucky to be able to like come into the country and have worked directly. I know the economy is not crazy crazy, and COVID mm-hmm. is not helping. Where is the most of, where are the most of the jobs in that area? What would people be working in? Mm-hmm. So that's actually uh, a good question. And right now, it's it's been pretty tricky, especially in in the south, I, at least from my perspective, because so much of the economy is tied to tourism. Between mm-hmm. Sevilla, Malaga, Granada, there are all these amazing places that every year I think had just been growing in terms of tourism, uh, touristic apartments, and, and now with more flights, 
within Europe, you know, there's more movement. And I think a lot of the economy relies on tourism. Yeah. And it's, it's hard right now. It's, it's definitely, it's affecting almost every market, it seems, just because so much of the economy relies on people coming, going out to dinner, or renting an apartment. And people are coming within Spain, but it's just not the same level. Yeah, it's limited. Uh, I mean, all European countries are back in lockdown. I mean, France mm-hmm. is back in lockdown. Absolutely. Until early December, it's probably going to go on longer. Mm-hmm. And I think we had closed the border with Spain during a few weeks after the first wave of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yes. We opened, but as both countries are partially in lockdown, it's just mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's scary times. So. We'll see. Fingers are crossed that things get better or maybe that people are home and trying to figure out new ways to to make things work. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a, a big, big change to get through it. I know. Okay. Moving to a bit of a nicer and lighter topic then. <laughs> what about your top recommendations? In oh, yes. Bar, restaurant, carte blanche, any spot of your choice. Um, of course. You will make it there uh, in, in a few weeks or months and that yes. stay open. I, hope. I know. I, it's an amazing spot. Right now, I'm enjoying having it to myself, but I, I really do love sharing my recommendations in, in the center. So, one, uh, it's a restaurant bar. Um, it's called El, El Rinconcillo. And I can, I'll send you this so you'll have yes, the spelling. It in the comments. <laughs> so it is the oldest standing tapas bar in the city. Oh, so nice. it actually just celebrated its, I think, 350th anniversary. Wow. It's been there since 1670. And there's a bunch of azulejos and old tiles. And it's, it's a, a space where tourists go to. Because of all the history, but also people from Sevilla. Like, I'll go and, and grab a drink. It's a fun place. So they have some special dishes. They have espinacas con garbanzos, which is, is spinach with garbanzo beans. Does not sound good, but if you try it, you would be impressed. <laughs> and, you know, there's the, the ham legs. So it's, it's definitely authentic. And yeah. it's it's a place that people enjoy visiting, but also people in Sevilla like going there. Yeah. So I recommend so. that to anyone, even if it's busy, to at least walk by yeah. and check it out. It's part. Of, I I think it has a tapas bar is it's always a good sign when it's busy. Absolutely. <laughs> and is it the standing ones? Yes. So the tapas area is standing. They do have an area where you can sit and it's a restaurant, I think in the back and also upstairs, but you'll see most locals stand at the bar, which yeah. is now hard with coronavirus. I think yeah, right <laughs> the now Spanish it's- culture is, it's, especially with eating late and now there's time restrictions. It, it's, it seems like coronavirus is after us <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the standing the standing tapas is part of the atmosphere i i feel like absolutely crowded bar and you order a small plate exactly <laughs> so i think that is one thing i definitely had to get used to now that i think of it 
um, moving to, to Spain full time was, you know, sharing dishes where if mm. you'll go to a restaurant, we often would share. If there's yeah. four of us, we'll say, oh, let's get, you know, some croquetas. We can share them as opposed to saying, okay, what's my main dish and me no. eating all of it. You know, we try to, to share. And I remember at first, maybe I was a little shy oh, about it. You want to <laughs> have some of my pasta? Really? <laughs> But it's actually, it's grown on me and, and now it's something that I like <laughs> to do. <laughs> Takes a bit of adjusting that piece. Yeah. It does. Luckily, most of the, the real tapas dishes are split in a way that you either serve yourself on your plate and it makes sense or, or it's, you yeah. know, something you can really just grab and, and eat. So yeah, it's easy to share. It's not like a bowl. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and another recommendation is Bar Alfalfa, which is this hole-in-the-wall bar in this amazing, beautiful building. And they have a really good breakfast toast, which I had tried a lot when I was abroad because it was right near my school. And it was a favorite hangout of ours. Sometimes we would have classes there. And it's a really, really good toast. It is the typical one from the area which if you order, it's called Tostada Andalusa. Mm -hmm. So Andalusian toast. And it has olive oil, tomato, and the jamón ibérico. So not for vegetarians, but a good option for people who can eat meat. And it sounds a little odd, but I would say it's at least worth splitting it with someone because I have converted. I love them. <laughs> I've changed my breakfast. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by a hole in the wall? So it's this tiny bar. It, it's actually at um, a corner, which is a pretty prominent, beautiful building, but it's very small. You go in and it pretty much is all bar. So it, if you go in, it's kind of like an odd shape. It's a triangle almost in the in because it's right at this corner. So you walk in and there's tables to the left and the right, but they're all pretty much sit up bar seats. Mm-hmm. And then you can sit at the actual bar where they'd serve you. But there's one table in the middle and it's it's you're always cramped. So it is another typical <laughs> tiny little spot but I I definitely recommend it if you can find a way in there yeah (laughs) and then my last recommendation is a little more of a a modern place and it's called Lobo Lopez it's part of a chain with a few other restaurants that all have different names but are a similar style where they are a little bit more of a modern fusion take on the typical tapas And they, you know, it's a typical name, but maybe a little bit more interesting. And they have all their buildings are pretty beautiful. And and, uh, it's a little bit nice to to go and mix it up from your typical tapa dish. Nice. Is is that chain only in Sevilla or is it all across Spain? Yes, I think it's only in in Sevilla. And so they have a few. They all have different names. Um, one thing that's nice is that you can reserve in advance. So if you're a bigger group, um, you can reserve and, and that's not very typical in, in tapas restaurants just because it's a little more spontaneous and then it might be hard to plan a trip if you really want to make sure you get into certain places. So 
Yeah, I'm on their website. It looks beautiful. Yes, that that location is especially beautiful. All of their restaurants, I would recommend, but that one is especially spectacular with this stone, and you come in and it's it's pretty amazing looking. Green tiles and there's Mm -hmm. a uh, drawing on them. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been many times, and we always order different things, and everything's been really good. Can't wait to go someday. When yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Okay. And last but not least, what would be your song for? Yes. So I, I knew this question was coming. So <laughs> I, I thought ahead a little. So my my song, kind of about my about my abroad experience, would be Las Cosas Más Pequeñitas. Okay. So I'll I'll send you that one too, <laughs> right now. Um, what's the vibe of the song? What's the meaning for for you? So one of the I guess it could have been a long distance tip was that many years ago when CDs were still a thing and we were yeah. dating, my boyfriend had sent me a mixtape, pretty much of oh, all these these fun Spanish songs. And one of them, I I think this was on the list because it's a big favorite of mine, and. They're pretty much saying like the little things are what matters. So the vibe is a very, he's got like the Spanish guitar. It's a really animated, fun song. And I guess to me, it also is meaningful in that, oh, you know, the little things are what matters. And, you know, being abroad sometimes can be scary. But in the end, being here and enjoying the sunshine and this new culture is pretty amazing. So definitely. So that would be my song. And that's by Nolasco. <laughs> okay. I will link it in the comments. You guys can Wonderful. listen to it on YouTube. Amazing. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this episode. It talked about love, making long distance work, and how it made you go back to Sevilla, your um, Erasmus place. I love the way you met there, you did your life, and you still stayed together and came back to settle in there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, talk to you soon. (laughs) Absolutely. Perfect. Well, speak to you soon. This has been great. Thank you. Guys, thank you for listening. As usual, everything will be linked in the comments. If you like the episode and the podcast, uh, please go put a rating on Apple or iTunes podcast and stay tuned for the next episode.